This podcast is brought to you by the Reform Witness Committee of Hope Protestant Reform Church in Walker, Michigan. It is our goal to spread our distinct Protestant Reform views based on the Word of God and the Reform Confessions. We hope that this message is edifying to you. The following is a sermon preached on a Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Day. For more sermons, see our sermon audio page. We read God's Word this morning as it is found in Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah 31. Here the prophet Jeremiah speaks to God's people in the Old Testament, weeping before them because of their sins and because of the coming Babylonian captivity. And in chapter 31, he is prophesying of the coming New Testament or New Covenant where Jesus Christ is central. The new covenant which He makes with the house of Israel, His church. We read verses 31 through 34. Just those five verses, or four verses, 31 through 34 of Jeremiah 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. We read that far in God's holy word on the basis of this portion of Scripture, as well as on the basis of all of God's word. We have the teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 21. Lord's Day 21, page 12 in the back of the Psalter, and we focus on question and answer 56, question and answer 56 of Lord's Day 21. The Catechism is explaining our confession of the Apostles' Creed and the truth of God's Word regarding the forgiveness of sins. What believest thou concerning the forgiveness of sins? That God, for the sake of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins. You hear that as a direct quote from Jeremiah 31-34. Will no more remember my sins, neither my corrupt nature. 
against which I have to struggle all my life long, but will graciously impute to me the righteousness of Christ, that I may never be condemned before the tribunal of God. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the question of the Heidelberg Catechism is an important question. What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? That's a very fundamental question, and the answer about it is very fundamental to the Christian faith. Not what a professor or a pastor or your parent might think about forgiveness of sins, but what do you, what do you believe regarding the forgiveness of sins? When you confess every Sunday night, I believe the forgiveness of sins, what do you mean in your heart? Forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ is the heart of the gospel. And as Christians, each one of us should know and should understand what forgiveness is. Can you explain it in simple terms, in your own words, understanding the meaning of that truth? For some reason, there has arisen lately, even among us, some confusion regarding forgiveness in our churches. And one of the problems, it seems, is an over-reduction of forgiveness. In an effort to make things simple, some have defined forgiveness narrowly or simplistically to such a degree that there is an incomplete Definition and understanding, therefore, of forgiveness. An incomplete one that therefore does injustice to Scripture's teaching on what forgiveness is. This morning I seek to explain on the basis of Scripture and the catechism here, the creeds, the simple but complete doctrine of forgiveness of sins that God's people might have clear in their hearts and minds What forgiveness is when they confess, I believe, the forgiveness of sins. Not only, however, must we have a clear and complete understanding of forgiveness, but we must know our own forgiveness. This is a personal question. The Catechism asks, what do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? Not only do you know the meaning of it, but what do you Know about your forgiveness. That's the, that's the meaning of the question. What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of your sins? Are your sins forgiven? How are your sins forgiven? Is there something you must do to get your sins forgiven? Which of your sins are forgiven? All of them? Or just a few of them? It's not a a complex question that the Catechism presents to us, but it is a deep one, one of important meaning, one that gets to your heart. May God's Word be such that your mind is refreshed in the truth of forgiveness this morning, and your heart answers as the Catechism answers, I believe. That God 
for the sake of Christ's satisfaction only, will no more remember my sins, neither my corrupt nature against which I still have to struggle all my life long, but will graciously impute unto me the righteousness of Christ that I may never be condemned before the tribunal of God. And may God, by His Spirit, with the preaching, take His Word to you along with the communion that we celebrate at His table, that you, as God's people, hear Him speak that forgiveness to your soul. The forgiveness of sins is what we consider based on Scripture and explained by the catechism, first the meaning, second the manner, and finally the faith that we must have. The simple definition of forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is the dismissing of sin. Forgiveness is the dismissing of sin. The dismissing of the guilt of sin as well as the punishment of sin. That's the literal meaning of the Greek word forgive in the New Testament. It literally means to send away or to let go. There are some biblical words that are synonyms to the word forgiveness. Forgiveness is the same as pardon. Forgiveness is the same as remission of sins. And yes, forgiveness is essentially the same as justification. More on that in a few moments. God, instead of sending away the sinner as He deserves, God, instead of angrily putting away you as you deserve, away from relationship with you, to punish you forever in hell, forgiveness rather is this, the sending away of your sin and the keeping of the sinner. The sending away of the punishment and friendship with that sinner. As though he is not a sinner at all. The way that God describes His forgiveness in Jeremiah 31-34 is astounding. It is where the catechism derives its answer from, quoting from this text and explaining forgiveness. For I will forgive, the last part of Jeremiah 31-34, for I will forgive their iniquity, and then an explanation of that forgiveness, God says, I will remember their sin no more. Negatively, that does not mean that God has some sort of holy amnesia where He somehow cannot remember in His mind at all our sins. That does not mean that a change takes place in the immutable or unchangeable God. It does not mean that He ceases from being omniscient so that He cannot bring to mind our sins again. Judgment Day will prove otherwise. But when God says, I will remember their sin no more, He means that He will view His people as though He has forgotten all their sins. He will think of them as though they have no sin. He will not judge us or treat us or deal with us as though we had done anything wrong, but as though He has forgotten all those sins. Jeremiah 31-34, I believe, is an anthropomorphism. A figure of speech that gives to God human characteristics to help us, from our perspective as human beings, understand what God is doing in forgiveness. A human forgets. We understand that. 
Haman forgets because of the weakness of his mind, his brain. He forgets accidentally sometimes. I don't know where I put my keys. I don't remember the answer to that test even though I studied for it. The weakness of the brain is such that we forget accidentally, we say. Unintentionally. But at other times, and this is probably best to think about when we think about forgiveness, at other times, humans do not remember due to intentionality. Due to our stubbornness of mind, we would rather think about something else. And so when our parent, for example, tells a child, remember, you need to take out the garbage, the child may intentionally put something else in his mind in order to forget his calling. Or we might just simply intend to forget God when we want to sin. There is such a thing as humans intentionally forgetting. God, without any sin, of course, in His mind, intentionally puts aside our sin. Intentionally thinks of us as righteous in Christ, choosing to forget our sins. I will remember their sins no more. This is an active, purposeful forgetting of sins. I put your sins out of my mind, Jehovah says. I cast them to the depths of the sea. I remove them as far as the east is from the west. And that, beloved, is an important point about God's forgiveness. It proves an important point about God's forgiveness. Not only that it is that which God dismisses from His mind, but it shows us that forgiveness now is first in the mind before it is on the mouth. It is first a disposition and then it is a declaration. Some have tried to limit forgiveness to something that is declared by the mouth. And while it is true that forgiveness is also that which is declared by the mouth, it is first that which takes place in God's mind. The text proves it. The catechism shows it. I will remember your sins no more. The catechism defines forgiveness as that which takes place in God's mind. Perhaps it's helpful to think of it in human relationships. When you forgive another person, you don't merely say, I forgive you. If you only say it, and it's not something that happens in your mind, and you hold on to the sin against that person, and simply say, I forgive you, that's a lie. That's not forgiveness. Only when the mind dismisses the sin and thinks of the sinner as without that sin, then can the mouth declare to that person, I forgive you. And then forgiveness is complete. And the declaration out of the mind and mouth comes to the sinner. And that is what God does for us. First, there is a disposition in His mind, I will not remember your sins. And then He says that to us. I forgive you. Romans 3.25 about that declaration of forgiveness. 
For God hath sent forth to be a propitiation. He has sent forth Christ to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. He says, He declares, I forgive you. Errors and confusion today limit forgiveness to one or the other, to what God has in His mind, or that which God has on His mouth, declaring it to us. It's not either or, but it's both and. God's forgiveness, creedally and biblically based, is both that disposition and that declaration. And now, forgiveness is essentially the same as justification. The heart of the Gospel. Yes, we can distinguish the two, forgiveness and justification, but when Scripture and confession speak of forgiveness and justification, they often speak of it, of them, both of them, as synonymous. Notice that in the very question and answer that we have before us in the catechism, we have the catechism defining forgiveness in terms of justification. Especially the second part. But will graciously impute. If you're familiar with Reformed doctrine, that's the, that's the word for justification. Will graciously impute to me the righteousness of Christ that I may never be condemned. The opposite. Never condemned before the tribunal of God. Impute is a legal word. Impute is that which God, the judge, speaks officially in His courtroom regarding a criminal. And while that criminal deserves to be declared guilty and worthy of punishment eternally, God instead declares to the ungodly, not guilty, righteous even before He causes that criminal to change his life around. Regarding the ungodly, God declares, I justify you. That is, just as if you have never sinned. And just as if you have obeyed all My righteous laws. The catechism describes forgiveness in these terms of justification. The Scripture does that as well. One example is Romans 4. There in Romans 4, Paul is explaining justification by faith alone, the theme of Romans. And then he proves justification by referring to Psalm 32, which is all about forgiveness. To prove the truth of justification, he says in verse 5, Blessed is are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Scripture and the confessions put those two together. Having said that, we may distinguish between justification and forgiveness. Justification is broader Forgiveness is part of justification, narrower. Forgiveness is the negative side of justification. Hear the negative. God says in forgiveness, I do not remember your sin. I do not impute to you your sin. I impute your sin upon another. 
Christ. Justification includes that, but more. Justification says, I regard you as righteous. I declare you as having a foreign righteousness. I account what is Christ's righteousness. Yours. Forgiveness is a negative side of justification that God freely gives to you, His people. But all this remains intellectual. It all remains intellectual if you don't think of it personally. What do you believe regarding forgiveness of your sins? The Catechism uses those pronouns, my, my, that God for the sake of Christ will no more remember what? My sins, my corrupt nature, against which I have to struggle all my life long. What are your sins? What are your sins? Have you examined yourself this week? What are your sins? What are they specifically? The pride that daily, daily threatens to reign in your heart and mind. The covetousness which is idolatry. The lusts, not only sexual lusts, but selfish desires. The evil thoughts and manipulation of others to get your way. The meanness of spouse to spouse to children. Lies to cover up that which you have done, minimization of the sins, and so many more, of words, of thoughts, of deeds. And the Catechism brings up more than those, these actual sins. There's original sin. Original sin. The very sinful nature, the Catechism says, my corrupt nature against which I have to struggle all my life long. That corrupt nature is the old man, as you know. The Catechism is specific about that old man, about how, how it continues to spew out sin. Even now as we sit here, even when we are repentant, it continues to have sins tainting your best works. I have to struggle my whole life long, the Catechism says. It constantly tempts me. I feel the strength of that old man inside of me, capable of the worst of sins, besetting me about and within I hate that man, but the desires of that old man are still so strong. Now think about forgiveness. I remember your sin no more. All of it. As though you didn't commit a single one. Past, present, and future. Without any sin. Your total depravity, your hating old man, I send away. Just as if you did not abort a child, if you have. Just as if you did not murder someone in cold blood. Just as if you did not have sex before marriage. Just as if you did not abuse 
just as if you did not engage in LGBTQ activity. Just as if you did not teach false doctrine. And not only without sin, but imputed to you the perfect obedience and righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the offensive and astounding gospel of God's forgiveness to all His people. Those whom He brings to repentance and faith. In Jesus Christ alone. The manner in which He forgives has three stages. First, there is God's plan of forgiveness. Three P's this morning to help you remember and that briefly. First, there is God's plan of forgiveness. Beloved, forgiveness is in God's mind. In fact, it has been in His plan, in His mind from all eternity. Don't deny that. Don't minimize that. Don't ignore that. I teach that with boldness this morning. He has chosen us in Christ. He has always viewed us as without sin if we are His elect people. With Christ's righteousness covering us. Numbers 23-21 He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither hath He seen perverseness in Israel. 1 Peter 1-19-20 Describing Christ's blood. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. He was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. That means He was in God's plan, covering all of His elect people. Of course, there is eternal justification or eternal forgiveness. In that sense, forgiveness has always been in God's plan, in His mind. And what a comfort that is to us as people. To know this, so that when a child dies in infancy, when a special needs person cannot consciously think about Jesus, or when you and I lose our minds before we die and cannot think about Jesus. What a comfort. That forgiveness is not dependent on your mind and my mind or my child's mind, but on God's mind. That He remembers my sin no more. The second stage of forgiveness that I describe in the manner of how He forgives us is the payment of that forgiveness. Beloved, it is right to speak of forgiveness at the cross of Jesus Christ. He paid for it fully. Every single one of our sins He died for and covered. That is the basis of forgiveness. The Catechism speaks of it as satisfaction. For the sake of Christ's satisfaction, He forgives. That's the legal basis of forgiveness. And that's necessary because the just God may not merely dismiss sin, ignoring it. But as the just God, He must punish sin. From that perspective, forgiveness is not free. It's free for us, but was not free for God. He sent His own Son in our human flesh to break His body and shed His blood, especially on the cross. To finish, to finish covering our sin. To finish paying for it all. And it was enough. It was enough to make forgiveness free for us. Though it wasn't free for Him. The Scripture speaks of forgiveness at the cross, Romans 3.24, being justified, are forgiven freely by His grace 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Or Romans 5, 9, we're justified or forgiven by His blood. And they make certain that you and I are not forgiven because of our works. You see, we're forgiven by Christ's works, which He completed at the cross. It was planned for, forgiveness was planned for from all, all eternity. It was paid for, finished at the cross. And third, forgiveness is God's pronouncement. It is. That which He has planned, that which He has paid for, He pronounces or declares in such a way that when He speaks from heaven, He resounds that voice of His in our hearts personally. Subjectively within the soul. He sounds His voice of forgiveness. This declaration is heard. I justify you. I cleanse you. I say in truth, as the God that cannot lie, that for Jesus' sake all of your sins are washed away. And you are righteous. Just as if you have obeyed all of my commandments. This declaration... This pronouncement comes in time after you have existed to your heart with His turning in true repentance and faith. This declaration of forgiveness does not come without repentance and faith. He declares it. He declares it. When He turns your heart in true repentance and faith. An error today is to deny and ignore this justification or forgiveness. Many ignore it or deny it because they don't want to deal with the truth that God only declares and assures the heart of forgiveness in the way of true repentance. But Romans 3.26 repeats that forgiveness is to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness. That He might be the just, the justifier of Him which believe in Jesus. You need this, beloved, this declaration, this third stage. You need that today. You need that again and again. You need that because... Beloved, though you already have forgiveness in God's mind and forgiveness paid for at the cross, you need this declaration or pronouncement to your soul because of Satan who brings temptation to doubt. You need this because when you sin, and you continue impenitently in sin, it is the consequence for your sin. Don't blame it on someone else, but it's the consequence of your sin that there is a lack of assurance sometimes. Not constantly, but sometimes. You need God to declare again that which He has planned and that which has been earned fully by Jesus Christ to your soul 
I will remember your sin no more. And that's what He does in His Word this morning. And that's what He does in communion with you at His table. To all those whom He first turns in true repentance and faith. So this morning, as you approach the Lord's table, I call you to repent. Yes, again, sorrow for your sins, turning to Jesus Christ alone, to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who speaks very really to pronounce His Word or forgiveness to you personally. What believest thou concerning the forgiveness of sins? That's the question. God's people leave here convinced that the catechism's answer is your answer, so that you may never be condemned before the tribunal of God. Amen. Let's pray. O God, to Thy sheep we pray, speak. Turn the heart by Thy Holy Spirit in true repentance and faith. And in the hearts of Thy people, we pray, breathe Thy Holy Spirit forth, carrying Thy Word so that we hear Thee speak peace to us, the peace of forgiveness which has been in Thy plan, which has been paid for by Christ, and that which Thou dost freely speak to us in our hearts. May the sweet communion we enjoy around Thy table be such that we hear Thee speak forgiveness, but also more, to hear Thee speak Thy love, Thy precious promises, the hope of eternal life, and many other words to our comfort, to the strengthening of our faith, and the invigorating of our souls unto a new and godly life. These things we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hope PR Ministry Podcast. We are a part of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, and we are located in West Michigan. Our goal is to spread our distinctive Reformed beliefs. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us at hoperwc at gmail.com and visit our website at hopeprchurch.org if you would like to learn more about our beliefs. You can also worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 5 p.m.